Welcome to Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. Today's message is a continuation of the prophetic training series brought to you by Lane Reading. To find out more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. So I'm going to start off with um, Jenny Kayo sent me a joke. If you have a horse named Mayo, does that horse bark or meow? Neither. Mayo neighs. <laughs> Way to go, Jenny. Um, what did the big flower say to the little flower? Hey, bud. How long did Cain hate his brother? As long as he was able. (laughs) Did you hear about the two blood cells that fell in love? Unfortunately, it was in vain. (laughs) Uh, What do you call pastors in Germany? Pastures in Germany, not Germany. Germany. German shepherds. (laughs) That's for you, John. (laughs) Well, Father John. All right. Uh, Okay, so um, let's see here. We are going to discuss dreams tonight. Um, Tonight is the last in this series of session two where I've you know, said I've kind of drawn that arbitrary line where um, how we experience God communicating to us personally and and trying to help us understand some of that before we move on to some of the others. The next session, which we'll call session three, is going to be about the spirit of prophecy and prophecy, okay? And we're going to go into that and we're going to add some more layers to that. But unless... Unless this is real to us, um, it it gets bizarre and weird and wacky in a heartbeat, as we've seen. And the goal, you know, of what we've gone through is, one, to to demystify this, but also to um, empower, empower you or us, meaning nobody has a right over our lives other than what we give them, and we shouldn't give them anything unless we've discerned it, you know, unless we know it's God, and um, unless it comes that we know there's love, and there's as much, if not more, fruit than just power, Um, and I'm all for the, the presence of God and the power of God, but as we've said before, in one of the greatest manifestations of power with God on the mountain and Moses and everything, the people built a golden calf <laughs> and worshipped an idol. Um, all that to say, you know, I heard somebody say that um, people who are more of the spirit tend to be gullible and people more of, you know, the word tend to be spiritually numb and cynical. 
And I think there's truth in that. Just because somebody says they heard God doesn't mean they did. And what they heard was, you know, we, it's, we hear in part, see in part. So we get into more of that as we go on. And just as I've tried to lay the foundation, everything about gifts is wrapped in unity, maturity, unity, maturity. And we've not seen that. And just trying to wrap it around where it, you know, it's normal, it's, it's not as weird, although, you know, I don't think the sense of his presence ever becomes normal, and that's what we want. But God is wanting a more solid foundation so that as he begins to speak, that our lives don't fall apart. As I've joked before, you know, are we a cannon in a canoe? Every time God speaks to us, our lives fall apart, and we forget to pay the bills and whatever, and become so dissatisfied with, with life, you know, because we want to be something else. What God wants to do is, is meet us where we're at, as we've been looking at. So, all that to say, we're going to get into some more of it in the next sessions. Um, if we can go to the next slides, um, several of you asked how you can get my notes. So, whoever is driving... And I don't see that changing. Um, it's my email address. Okay. It did? No, I'm looking at back there. It's on. So my email address is my name, Lane, L-A-Y-N-E, dot reading, R-E-A-D-I-N-G, at catchthefire.com. So if you email me, we're going to, put all the PDFs of the PowerPoints up on a Google Shared Drive, and if you just email me, then I can give you access to download that, and we'll have it there for a week or so, um, just so you guys can get it. So that's, um, that's how that's going to work. So my name, lane.reading at catchthefire.com, and then I will add you, you know, to that, and you'll be able to download it. So that was one of the questions. Okay, so the first thing I want to do in dreams is, since it's more personal, um, the word dream is only mentioned a few times in Scripture, which is rather intriguing. Oh, you mean in Scripture, in the New Testament of Scripture, is what I meant to say. Um, in some of the other sessions, we go more into it, um, because there's a lot more behind this. But what I want to do is just read through the New Testament scriptures and, and hopefully help contextualize some of this for us. Because I think, especially for those of us who, you know, got saved um, in, you know, a charismatic or that type of experience or have come into that kind of experience, as I, I said, sometimes, you know, we can be seen as a little naive, and it's like we turn our common sense off. And I, I, I get it, because when you've experienced some things, it opens you up to possibilities that you never thought were possible before. But at the same time, God wants us to think things through and have a good biblical foundation. So... I want us to look at what was going on around dreams, 
Because this is about us. How we, if God speaks to us in dreams, how does it impact us? What's going on? The interesting thing in dreams is most of it's in Matthew, and then we get two other mentions. And we'll start with Matthew 1, 18 through 20. So this is Joseph, Jesus' to-be father, or in our language, stepfather. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a man, I'm sorry, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, they weren't married, but in Hebrew culture at that time, if you got engaged, you were married. You just weren't having sex. Bluntly is what that means. And you weren't living together. That happened once you had the marriage, you know, the, the ceremony, so to speak. Um, basically, what this is saying is that Joseph was going, he, it would have been in his rights, literally, to ask for her life, to have her killed. That would have been part of the culture as well because it would have meant he knew he didn't sleep with her so she had slept with somebody else and not cried rape or reported anything. So, I mean, just think through the social consequences here. Remember, I've joked at times by going, God, when he says some things to me, I go, uh, in my culture, <laughs> that means something different, I think. <laughs> now, in Jewish culture, um, there was the whole tradition that all women were hoping to be married, that they would give birth to the Messiah. I don't think any of them thought it would come looking like this. <laughs> Here I am, send her. <laughs> I mean, let's get a grip. I mean, Joseph, because he was a just man, resolved to divorce her quietly. In other words, he didn't want her killed. He didn't want to put her to shame. He must have really loved her. There was something about him that wasn't like the typical guy that would have gone, well, you know, we're done. Because for him not to do that, he had to acknowledge that either this was his, because why would he accept it being somebody else's, and destroy his reputation, which was his career back then. So not only was he saying, you know, he was going, I'm going to put her away. That wouldn't have destroyed his career, but it would have tarnished his reputation. People would have understood, well, it probably wasn't his, and he was being a gentleman, quote-unquote. But let's see what happens. So he, he resolves to do this, okay? He's a good Jewish man. He's trying to do the right thing. But as he considered these things, okay, interesting. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So obviously not right at that moment. He was pondering what to do. It wasn't a split-second decision. He was struggling with this. He goes to bed. He falls asleep. Wherever the, We're not told the context. It says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So maybe our dreams aren't as private as we think they are. <laughs> How does an angel get into your dream? I don't know. It says it right there. Saying, Joseph, son of David, 
do not fear. Why? Because I'm going to terrify you out of your mind. I mean, if you've ever heard me, anytime it says don't fear, it means you're going to be terrified out of your mind. So don't let it control you so you can keep obeying me. None of you have ever experienced that, right? Yeah. Just Joseph and me. <laughs> Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. You want to destroy my entire reputation, my career, my ability to provide? For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Really? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, which is Isaiah 7, 4. Behold, the virgin will come and conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, now, interesting, in the dream, he gets... Isaiah 7.4 quoted to him. <laughs> he's a good Jewish boy. God's not only getting his attention, he's saying, this is me. When he awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord suggested. No, it says, commanded him. Now, We've done everything God's commanded us, right? What am I saying by being a little cheeky? I'm saying he had a choice here. Remember, he was probably 16. They got married a lot younger. He had a choice. But it says... He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he didn't know her, sleep with her, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. <laughs> now, my point in bringing this up is God doesn't follow cultural norms always. I'm not saying he breaks scripture, but he doesn't follow cultural norms. I've read some stories from the 1800s and some of the great men and women, you know, of faith. Um, the reason we don't wear hats as men anymore is because God told one, one guy that he wasn't allowed to wear a hat anymore as a sign of humility which was beyond shameful back then. I mean, beyond shameful. For a man to be seen out public without a hat was like, I don't know, not wearing a shirt. or I, it, it just wasn't done. Especially if you were Christian. Now, He had a choice to obey God. God asked him to do something that was incredibly hard. Both personally, it cost him. On could you imagine? 
If you're younger, going to your parents and saying, yeah, my girlfriend's pregnant, but it's not me, it's God, and this is the Messiah, and we're going to get married. Okay, let's have a real come to Jesus, and maybe we didn't explain the birds and bees quite right. (laughs) Yeah, back then we'd come to Moses, right, (laughs) because... What am I saying? I'm saying not everything, not everything is always easy. Now, that doesn't justify a lot of bad decisions we make in trying to blame God sometimes for things, okay? At all. Remember, we're not losing our brains here. Obviously, his parents had to be involved, He must have told his parents about this dream. There's also the whole story of, you know, she meets her cousin, John the Baptist. Remember that whole story? And that must have gotten out a bit. John the Baptist is not born yet. That happens later. This has got to be really awkward. (laughs) Let me me restate it, sorry. John the Baptist isn't born. That situation hadn't happened. I'm getting ahead of myself. What I'm trying to say is Mary's lineage is part of the priesthood. Awkward. (laughs) Do you see the dynamics? God is just messing up things. So we know the story of what Mary did, and that is just mind-blowing. But here is Joseph, her to-be husband. Can you imagine? Every woman's going, God, give me a Joseph. (laughs) Who wouldn't want one? Come on. Okay. That was, jo- that was Joseph's first dream. Very, very specific. No interpretation needed. Did Jesus? Did God? Did, that was an angel. Was that? Pretty clear, right? So then we jump into Matthew 2.10, and this is the wise men. And at some other point, we'll go into more detail because we only have so much time, but Matthew 2, 10 through 12. When they saw the star, these are the magi, okay? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child. Now, okay, I love the manger scene, but it's not biblical, okay? And shock, Jesus was not born on the 25th of December, okay? Just for those of you out there. The Catholic Church, and I really believe it was wisdom, picked that date because it helped with some cultural symbolism and some other things. Okay? Let's not get fixed on that. Does that make Christmas evil? For me, no. Do you know there is not one scroll from which we get the Bible? Like, there's multiple. Okay. We can't lose our heads. We've got to keep thinking, but understand that God sovereignly does things and moves. And we're in this tension. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child, not the infant, with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Now, the Magi, as we've heard, they had to be pretty wealthy people. <laughs> they weren't Jewish. Pagans are coming in and bowing down to your child. That would get your attention. Do you see what God, I mean, how many of you have had that? People flying from around the world, walk into your house and go, I'm going to give you hundreds of millions of dollars because God has told you to obey him. I don't know anyone yet. Okay? I've heard of God doing things. God was confirming to Mary and Joseph what he'd said. Now, we don't know how long this is. It's at least two or three years. Joseph's got to be going, Hallelujah, Jesus! Or Moses! Or whoever. Why? Because he had lost his ability to make as much money, probably. He had committed adultery in the eyes of the world. Or he had to be going, this is my stepson, which we don't know. But suddenly they become extremely wealthy. Frankincense and myrrh and gold, really? Those, those were very, 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 very expensive. All of a sudden, this dream has just ratcheted up a whole nother level. Remember I said when God speaks, we don't have to panic if we miss it the first time he keeps speaking and confirming? The only way he'll stop is, and even then sometimes I don't know that he does, I just think we don't hear it, is if we choose to not believe and go do something else. And say, I don't believe Jesus anymore and I'm going to go worship Baal or whatever. When you actively stop, that doesn't mean you don't struggle. Joseph had to have struggled. <laughs> okay. So they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they gifted them with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, if you've heard some of the more eloquent sermons on this, you're talking millions of dollars. And being warned in a dream to not return to Herod, they, the wise men, departed to their own country by another way. And if you read the context, Herod, they walk into town going, where's the Messiah? Where's the prophet? No one in Israel realized what that star meant. But these three wise men, who, depending on how you study, at least went through the school of Hogwarts. Serious. Remember, they're not Jews. They know the Jewish scripture, because they actually quote it. They knew what this was. Interesting, it didn't change their belief, and they didn't become Jewish. I mean, you would think, wow, okay, you know this is the, did they just think it was the Messiah for the Jews? Probably, could be, I don't know. But what I'm saying is, we've got to be careful not to become arrogant and think we have it, and unless it comes from us, it's not God. 
I'm not saying be gullible and swallow everything either. But do you see what's going on here? God warns them in a Jew. We're not told how he warns them. We're not told which one of them he warns. But he warns in enough of a way that they go, oh, we ain't doing that. We're going to sneak out of the city. We're not going to go back and tell Herod anything we found. And it wouldn't be in the book unless they told somebody. So clearly they must have told somebody that they got a warning not to go back to Herod. Again, we see God moving through a dream. Matthew 2, 13 through 15. Now, when they, the wise men, had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. I mean, if you don't realize Joseph's a dreamer by now, uh, he got dumped into it big time. And said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. What? I rebuke you, devil. Only pagans go back to Egypt. All the prophets rebuked us for wanting to go back to Egypt. Why? That can't be God. None of you have ever done that, right? <laughs> it's in a book. It says, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. I wonder why they were given millions of dollars. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he, Joseph, rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. We don't know if it was that night, the next night, but he didn't waste time. They didn't have to get U-holes and pack boxes back then. <laughs> and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets in Isaiah, Hosea 11.1, 1, out of Egypt I called my son. Now that wasn't told him in a dream. Pretty amazing stuff. What am I saying? When God does major events, the dreams are incredibly specific to the people involved. I know of only three people that I can think of who have had dreams like this, where they were told, go here, stand there, wait for this person, this will happen, say that, it'll change the course of that nation. And it did. Most of us don't get dreams of that caliber. Does that make them less important? Some people treat it like it does. It doesn't. But what I'm wanting you to see is this progression in Joseph's life, and then we'll learn some more things, just in case you think, we just heard, though, that the Magi had a dream, a warning dream. We're not told what the warning was. Whatever they interpreted it to be, it was a warning. And they knew what they were being warned against. But, you know, God only warned them because they were pagans in, right? And he doesn't talk that way to people who love him. 
Okay, Matthew 2, 19 through 23. And in case you didn't catch the sarcasm, um, I was being sarcastic. So now we're going to see Joseph's third and fourth dream. Matthew 2, 19 through 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. In Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Egypt. Those who sought the child's life are dead. Now, this one's vague. Remember, the first one, it says, go to Egypt. doesn't say where in Egypt. This one's saying, go back. doesn't say where to go back. He arose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, <gasps> now he must have backslidden because he was fearful. It wasn't a very specific dream. He was just warned. Now I'm being very cheeky. No. Sometimes, I mean, when you get on top of a 50-story building and you look over and you feel afraid, that's wisdom. Listen to it. I'm not saying, you know, if you have fear of heights, that's different, but there's natural things. There are also things we pick up on. He didn't feel safe. We're told why. He must have known something about Archelaus. He was afraid that maybe Herod had told his son, if you ever see this dude, kill him because he's after your throne. We don't know. But we're told that when he heard Achilles was reigning over Judah in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, again, we're not told what the warning was, he had to interpret it, something that had to happen, that he understood, and it says he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Does that mean Joseph was ruled by fear? No. Experiencing fear just goes, it's like pain, it's telling you something's wrong. That's not the problem, unless you let it be the problem. Okay, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in the city of Nazareth. He was not instructed to do that, was he? Nowhere. He just chose to do that. And then we get the scripture. So that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Sometimes the decisions we make just in the course of life of being obedient seem to have meaning and purpose. We have a say in what we do. I doubt Joseph was studying the ships as going, where is the Messiah going to come from? <laughs> Some of these are very obscure scriptures that weren't understood till later. You know Why? It says God hid it so that the enemy wouldn't know what was going on, otherwise they wouldn't have killed Jesus. Now that's a mind trip. Paul says he was shown things that he was not allowed to repeat. Why? Probably because he was given some of the tactics, and if he had spoken about it, the same enemy would have known. That's on a whole different plane of existence and reality than what we live in. Thank you, Jesus. 
But it's real, folks. And God wants a group of people that he can trust, that can listen to him and work together and have those communities grow and become more and more mature. That when we hear God, we know it's his voice. Why? Just the same way I know my wife's voice or my kid's voice. So that you can hear him where you are. You get up in the morning and he says, you're going to have guests for dinner. You go, okay, I'll make you more whatever I'm making. Or he can say, no, I want you to make this. And then those people show up and you can love them. And as you do that, then he can begin to speak to you and you learn to trust him. So that when he tells you other things, you have this, this platform of faith, so to speak, and experience. It's not just... Does that make sense? So, now, not all of us are dreamers like this. You know, my friend Ed will tell you, you know, you want to be a lucid dreamer. And John Paul Jackson used to say that. Go into your dream and rewind them and replay things and change the outcomes because that's spiritual warfare. And I go, I love that. I've just never experienced it. <laughs> I mean, come on, me asleep fighting? You wake up feeling refreshed and you go on with life. I love that. Who wants to do all the groaning and moaning on the floor and crying out and snot and tears and just do it in the dream? <laughs> now, I wish it were that simple, but serious, stop taking that so lightly. Don't, you know, over-dramatize it, but realize it's real. There, now, we have normal dreams as well, not every dream, but you know the difference. There's some dreams that stick with you. Okay. So we get this. The Lord appears, says, come out of Egypt. And then the Lord warns him as he's going about his life. Listen to warning dreams. Okay, I've got to stay on track so we can finish. And we'll go into way more detail later on. Pilate's wife's dream. Remember, I was being a little cheeky about pagans don't get dreams from God and God. Okay, Matthew 27, 15 through 19. Now at the feast, the governors were, was accustomed, sorry, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release to the crowd one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. Oh man, was he just stirring the pot. For he knew that he was out of envy that they wanted him delivered up. Politicians smell us out when we're religious because it stinks. Just as we can smell them out a lot of times. <laughs> Takes one to know one. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a word. 
have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. She broke protocol. (laughs) So much was she disturbed by that dream that she sent someone while he was sitting in judgment to give him advice. You got to wonder what that lady dreamed and how she knew and what she knew and what was going on. But it was so much that she violated protocol to the point that it's in the book. And she said, have nothing to do with that righteous man. Now this was a time, I mean the Romans were known for the compassion and just love, yeah. They didn't even believe in truth. She said, a righteous man. (laughs) He obviously took that seriously. That's a type of a warning dream. Now, if you don't think you can suffer in a dream, just wait. It's, it's in other places in the book, and it happens to good Jewish boys and girls and Christians. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way, but when you encounter heaven, God is other, as you've heard me say. And the more raw that encounter is, the more other he is. Moses Come on. I said, God, I want to see your glory. And God only lets him see the backside of him. For, And he said, I cannot let you see because it would kill you and I love you. You got to wonder what she saw, <laughs> that she suffered much. What? So anyone who speaks Greek, Greek, Greek or Hebrew studies that out let us know what that means suffer guys later on further way down in this series we talk about joseph i mean god speaks to him he doesn't it's all negative he doesn't know what to do key point is he doesn't do anything he goes back to god keeps talking with close intimate people and and then god says gabriel And it says at the end he was in bed for several days. He was left so sick. Still does nothing. Then he keeps reading scripture and studying Christ. And then he starts understanding in Jeremiah that the 70 years are about to come up. And all this negative stuff he's been seeing. And out of it what God is going to do is this. And what do we do? We focus on all of this negative stuff and we don't get to the place where we hear what God is doing. This is part of growing in our own lives as well. Okay. Just in case you think it's not going to happen to me, Acts 2.17 and in the last days it shall be And remember, they were quoting a passage in the Old Testament saying, this is the last days. 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And remember this is a gender because women don't dream, right? Exactly. This is maturity as you've heard me say. As you grow, these things happen. It is the heart of God for us to dream dreams from him. Okay. Next, last but not least. Okay, this is the scary one. When you understand it, Jude 8. I call it dreams that defile. So Jude 8 reads, Yet in like manner these people also, relying on their dreams, same word, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Remember I said we must judge, we must have things judged, we need an accountability group, we mustn't commit intellectual suicide. Why? Because scripture is full of warnings. Trying to pretend this stuff doesn't happen doesn't make it go away. <laughs> That's the problem. We don't have an option but to grow up, guys. Whether you're a big dreamer or not, at least have an understanding of it because I guarantee you some of the people in your life will and you can help them. And you can watch for pitfalls. Remember what makes somebody a false prophet, a false you know, apostle, teacher, whatever. It's not, it's not them getting it wrong. What makes them false, what was the false prophet in the Old Testament? Balaam's donkey too. And why? Because he led them astray. So in this one, the same thing. The context around this, guys. If you look at it before in Jude, it's talking about God destroyed those when he led them out of Egypt who did not believe, who did not remain believing. Only Caleb made it through. Why? Because he had a different spirit. Are we going to have a different spirit? Believing in Jesus, that he is not just Lord, but Lord of his church, Lord of my life. He does get final say. It goes on to say, and the angels who didn't stay in their spheres of authority, but rebelled. So, to not go down the path of defiled dreams, one, we have to remain believing. Number two, we have to understand authority and spiritual authority. Then it goes on to say, just like Sodom and Gomorrah and the sexual sins and immorality. Why do you think God is so faithful to expose? When sin is exposed, it's not because he's absent, that's when it happens in a sense. 
when we hear about all the sexual abuse that's gone on, you know, everybody points to the Catholic Church. I only wish it were just in the Catholic Church. And I don't mean that against the Catholics. It is everywhere. It's sin. And Jesus is exposing it. Why? Because it's these types of things that cause us to go down dreams that defile. This is right before we read, yet in like manner these people, like manner to what? I just read you the like manner. He equates it to the people who rebelled out of coming out of Egypt, to the angels that didn't stay in their proper place, to Sodom and Gomorrah and people who involved themselves in sexual immorality. Now, if you're involved in any of those, repent, turn around, and then you're okay, and move on. This isn't to condemn. This is to say, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he's going, eh, this ain't too good. I'm warning you. This leads to a bad place. It may look cute and fuzzy now, but it ain't. This isn't so we can go around condemning everybody else. Remember, we point the fingers here. We're dealing with us. Where in our lives are these things issues that we can deal with so that we cannot go down dreams that defile and derail? Because it says, yet... In like manner, these people relying on their dreams, their dreams. That means that they had literal in the night dreams. But God is saying it was theirs, it wasn't mine. They didn't judge them. They didn't open themselves up to the body of scripture, to the body of Christ or the Jewish community, so to speak, at the time. Nobody here is like the prophetic in the Old Testament, now, yes, I have read the book and I teach. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of women, but anyone since then who accepts Christ is greater. But it's a different area. We don't write scripture. <laughs> we do have experiences, but we don't base our theology on experience, even when it's God, because we can get it wrong and misinterpret it. Okay, so relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh, which is sexual issues. If that language is very flowery and, you know, King James-ish, but it just means you're not doing sex the way God recommends it. Why? Because when you have sex outside of marriage, you have soul ties, Something more goes on than just physical pleasure. They reject authority. We just read they were equated to the angels. They didn't stand their proper and blaspheme the glorious ones. There's an arrogance in spiritual warfare that comes out. Goes on, verse 9. But when the archangel contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume 
a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. And those of you who heard Steve, he spoke about this. This is a warning about dreams. Now everybody goes, I don't want to dream ever again. I've never had many, I've never had a dream. No. This is why it's important to keep a short list with God. None of us are perfect. We've gone through this. This isn't about sin. This is about God speaking into our lives. And why God wants us to deal with these things. Why I started off with self-government. How do we govern ourselves? And get that process in motion and continue to grow. Because in the next one, we start talking about relational government. It's those yucky words like codependency and things like that. You know, They're not in scripture, so we don't have to worry about them. None of us deal with that. You hear my heart. This is what we have to deal with. I've watched not just prophetic people, but people with the gift of mercy get crushed under the weight of codependency. When we, we don't understand ourselves and our gifting and, and that it's Jesus and it's his heart that we're feeling at times. And yes, we feel it. And, and that's the, the most incredible and insane aspect of all of this, is that he wants us as friends. In fact, he says, at the end of this, you all win, and you sit with me on my throne, and you take the place of all the angels, and you judge them. And I want peanut butter. <laughs> really? God, we, we, we can't even get it right in our own lives. And, uh, how about you give me Pluto and I'll stay there for about a million years and let you work it out. <laughs> this is hard for us. That's, that's what revelation is. It's a revelation about Jesus and him coming to earth. Now, I'm not talking, you know, Pre-trip, post-trip, a-trip, what-trip. I'm just talking what Scripture says, okay? That's the image there. I mean, if you believe in that literal building that comes down, some of us are going to live up in the satellites. I mean, I hope it's self-sealed with oxygen. Uh, the imagery is what is so unbelievably powerful. I share that because that's what dreams are about, imagery and symbolism. Not all dreams are this simple in Scripture. Some are. Come on, some of you must have had a dream you woke up and go, oh, I know exactly what that means. Anybody in here have a dream like that? Okay. Two, three, four, five. Okay. I shared with you, I had one of those dreams. I woke up with the word anachronism. I don't know if it was a dream or whatever, but 
I didn't even know what the word meant. And I went, I'm just going to lie on your presence. And the Spirit said to me, you'll remember the experience, not the word, put the word in your phone. So I put it in my phone and just lay there. <laughs> he says, I couldn't stay there. I just had to obey it. And so I said, I don't know what that meant. Part of it's a journey. So this is what dreams are for. They guide us. They warn us. It's, it's the reason we have a Messiah. <laughs> Talk about a spiritual worldview. And yes, we must search Scripture and understand what words mean in Scripture. And when we have a dream, go to Scripture. But God knows we live in the 21st century and that we have our own imagery. And sometimes he messes with that. I get it. Why does he know the word anachronism? I'm not disagreeing now. It's an amazing word, but you hear my heart. He didn't speak, but I know people that God has spoken words to that when they looked it up, it was a different language. There's meaning, there's layers, but do we realize that he can and does speak to us in dreams? And not just Christians. So when non-Christians tell you they had a dream, listen. If you get nothing, go, wow, that was a crazy dream. But if God speaks, especially if you're a dreamer, how did Joseph go from having dreams to suddenly interpreting dreams? doesn't tell us. Obviously, he must have leaned into it. Daniel, <laughs> he didn't just go from having dreams. He went from, let me have your dream so I can tell you what it is and save all of Hogwarts. I mean, that's what he did. But that's at another level and, and another responsibility. That's why we have to have love. Otherwise, God puts us in those places and we go, kill those suckers! <laughs> we know too many people that do that. <laughs> Moses would have gone, yeah, God, yep, make it with me, just, yeah, let's wipe him out. Uh, sucks to be Caleb. <laughs> no. You know why Caleb is so important? Because when you feel like you're the only one hearing God and trying to obey him and doing it humbly and nobody else is listening and you don't even think God sees, can you imagine how Caleb must have felt? All the other spies were going, ah! he's going, let's go take him. And he couldn't. Did he run off and start his own nation and go, I'm going to do my own nation now? No. And at the end, God honors him. Why? Because he had a different spirit. 
Now, I'm not implying people, please don't hear. We don't stay in abusive situations. Do not hear that, okay? All the codependent people go, oh, I should have been. No. I'm saying God wants us to do things differently. This is not that situation. When God speaks, he will keep confirming it. But we don't tear other people down. We don't gossip. We don't backbite. When we have ought, we go to our brother or sister. If they don't listen, then we gossip about them and ruin their reputation. No! It's in the book. We get somebody with us that we can trust, not who's a big gossip that we know. As soon as we tell them, don't tell anyone. They're going to tell a million people one at a time. I knew at work who the gossips were. As a manager, I test people. I tell one person one thing and I wait a week and then I see if it goes around. And then I know who the gossips are. And when I want something to get out, I tell them in secret. And then I know everybody's gonna know. Well, I might as well use the network. I mean, gossip's faster than light, it seems like at times. It's amazing. So why not use it to your advantage? I didn't do it often, just in case you think I was being manipulative, but because God will get you for that too. <laughs> it's important that we do this differently so God can begin trusting. Could you imagine what God could do with a group of people that really followed the way he did things? We are entering into and are in apostolic exploits. And I've told you, that means the world turns upside down. We need to hear. God is looking for people that he can trust to build foundations, to speak into governments, to speak into different situations. But it takes time. You have to be known. You have to have integrity, character. And some of you, God won't wait till you have all of that. He'll throw you in the middle of something and let you develop it like all of us. Like, really? Anyone's perfect? This is what he's doing. Okay, so let's stop there. There are defiling dreams. That's why with words, with what we hear from God when it's life-changing and specifically dreams... We need to have them judged. And when others have dreams, we need to judge them. We judge by fruit. It can look like an apple, it can smell like an apple, but if it doesn't produce apples, I don't think it's an apple. And that takes time sometimes. That's a struggle. But God's not always in as much of a hurry as we are. Okay? So, keep your brains turned on. Worship him with your mind as well as your spirit. And when things don't make sense, speak up. Ask questions. But let's do it in a way that draws us together. You know, when, when you speak up in a proper way and somebody is way out of line, everybody goes, okay. Haven't you seen that happen? 
There was a congressman who was three weeks or four weeks ago caught on video camera at a who's who at some cocktail party, not in their state. And a reporter said, I, you're the one who said the lockdown, nobody travel, and oh, by the way, your wife and kids, something like that. And I'm changing the things so nobody can hold me to anything. And they refused to, uh, the answer to, the, to the, the, the question was bizarre. Basically, they said to the reporter, you have no right to ask me that question, move on. And everybody kind of went, okay, so do as I tell you, not as I do. And we all love that, right? Our job is to grow in this and to stand for truth, but we don't have to be jerks and idiots. Sometimes people just make mistakes like us. Love covers a multitude of sins. Okay, some of you, especially some online, God will ask you to stand up for certain justice issues. I'll share something, for some reason I feel I should. This. So in the late 80s, I was around Bob Jones, and God had told him about the whole abortion thing and that it was going to be overturned at some point. And I said to God, are you asking me to be involved in this? And he said, no. I went, okay. He said, your battle's going to be with consciousness. It wasn't until a few years ago that I started seeing articles about what does it mean to be conscious? When do children become conscious? There was a senator who will remain nameless who thinks that you should be allowed to have an abortion up to two years old. Because sometimes you don't know if the baby is going to have autism or things like that, and it's a burden on the parent and the state. Now, that has been completely wiped off the internet, and we're not hearing about it. There's a whole scientific thing showing that consciousness may only really derive when you're about four to five years old because of how the brain develops. And so there's a whole bunch of things. The, the real thing that's pushing this is the whole we're going to live forever movement. So they can upload consciousness into, into a different environment. Except the more they study the brain, they're realizing that consciousness may actually not reside in the brain. And to their credit, at least the ones I've been watching are concerned that if they don't get this right, they will be responsible for the greatest zombie apocalypse in the world because they could create soulless entities. And so, I'm only now beginning to understand something God said to me in the 80s. I have no idea what role I will ever have in that. I'm, you know, most of these people have three PhDs and then some. And not all of them are bad or evil. Some of the things I've said, all of you can go, oh my goodness, I could see where this could go to. The issue is, what is God asking us to do and pray into? Listen to him. I remember getting on an airplane, flying back to South Africa, 
I was exhausted. I didn't want to talk to anyone. No, flying back from South Africa, sorry. I had just been, you know, to my mother's funeral and yada, yada, yada. And I land up sitting next to this guy and I could just feel he wanted to talk to me. And I had my headphones on and I was ignoring him. <laughs> I was like, I'm not talking to anyone. And I just kept feeling God melt my heart, melt my heart, melt my heart. And finally, I looked to the guy and said, so, I almost said to him, you're a petroleum engineer. Where are you working? Because I just knew you worked in petroleum, but I didn't. I'd learned enough by then. <laughs> you know, I don't know this guy. I don't know he's a petroleum engineer. Just, so, what do you do? He goes, oh, and we start speaking. Turns out, one of the people in the church that we were, Sheila and I were at in Texas, this little town called Plainview, literally in the middle of nowhere, this one guy, he, they had both worked in Siberia, and he had witnessed to him. And he just said, you remind me of a friend, and it was this guy. <laughs> and I said, well, interesting, I live about two blocks from him. And I said, your wife's name's this, and you have these kids. And he just stared at me, and he said, I never told him my kids' names. And I went, oh. <laughs> and I said, well, and I just carried on, and then I said some other things. And by then, I was leaning into God going, oh, you're ambushing this guy. <laughs> and so I just got some more information, and we spoke, and I kept dropping things until the guy said, you're really freaking me out. Please stop or I'm going to ask to move. And I said, that's okay. You can ask to move. You've been running from God ever since. And I just said, I'm just here to let you know. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this. I said, but the God you don't believe in really, really loves you. And then I had this thing of when he was younger and I told him and you know, he kind of just stared at me and I said, this is between you and the God you don't believe in. I just said, it's pretty amazing just statistically. What would the statistics be that you and I would land up on the same flight from the same country that neither of us originate from? <laughs> and he just went, I think I'm going to read my book now. <laughs> and I left it at that. It wasn't my job. The only reason I could lean into something like that was because of that intimacy with God. I want to encourage you to do that where you're at. Just listen. It that's more of a dramatic thing. It doesn't have to be. This is what God wants us all to do at different levels. This whole coronavirus event has made us aware and should make us more aware that we need to live supernaturally even more. Growing up in South Africa at times, you know, it wasn't safe to go to different places because you didn't know if there were going to be bombs. And I just grew up as a Christian knowing I just had to be aware and listen that I have a, was I feeling fear what, and just pay attention to that. So I just want to ask us, use this to just let us grow, not to become fearful, but to listen and let God in. You'll be amazed. So, Dad, I, I just feel the weight of your presence so much tonight.
And I know that you're up to some things, Dad. And I, I just feel the power of what you're doing. And so I ask that your reality be just become more clear to us. That everyone in this room and online, Dad, that dreams since this is what we're talking about in our own lives, that if there are dreams you've given us that we've forgotten, that you would remind us. And the dreams, God, that the enemy has sent, that tormented, I ask that you break those now in the name of Jesus. That those, God, that have this gift that the enemy has tried to just torment with, that stop now in Jesus' name. That if there's any sin that you speak to them, if there's any, any openings in their lives, that you make them aware of that. But it's stopped now. And as they close that, God, you release all of your gifting and your blessing. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. And before I close, I got a text. Ah, I'm being corrected by somebody I respect. Mary may have been young, very young, like 12 to 15. However, Joseph was old enough to be married. Adulthood for men was 30. So thank you for that, Barb. Like our 21. So he was older, so he was more established, which means making the sacrifice would have cost his reputation even more. So understand that if you feel God asking you to do something like that, he will confirm it. He will continue to speak to you, and he will provide when he asks that. When he asked me to come to America, I was 20. I didn't have two pennies to my name. And he literally provided everything for me. I got to the, the morning of um, one of the young men in our church who was mentally disabled showed up at my door at 5 in the morning with a, a shaving kit. And I didn't even realize that I didn't even have one to go. One of the Mentally disabled people in our church. God spoke to him. I got to the airport and realized I didn't even have money. I had like 200 rand, which was, let's just say $200. <laughs> and I was traveling internationally. Somebody came up and gave me dollars. Now, I'm not recommending that. And in fact, I found out years later that so many people in the youth group would just go sit at the airport because they'd heard my story and wait for God to show up and do that with them. And I, when I was back, I just said, this is what God did. Is he doing that in your life? It wasn't just a one-time event, and maybe sometime I'll share it. Don't be afraid to question the experience, okay? Don't be afraid to use your brain. 
in fact, use it, because when it is God, he's going to expect you to keep using it. <laughs> okay? Thank you, Barbara. Love you guys, and um, we'll pick it up and start a whole new kind of session and focus on a, on a different area, on, on how, you know, we, the whole thing of giving prophetic words and being in a spirit of prophecy and what that means. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. If you would like to find out more about who we are, you can find that at ctfboulder.com. If you haven't already, please make sure to follow us on all of our other social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify. We post different content on each platform and we want you guys to stay as updated as possible. We have so much love for you guys. God bless.